Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest, now on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, there was a very spoiler-filled Days summer promo released by NBC, and it looks like we are going to have an explosive few months ahead. So we're going to see the returns of J. Kenneth Johnson as Philip. As you know, he had come back for the app series, Last Blast Reunion, and now we'll be on the actual mm-hmm. Salem show. Allison Sweeney will be back as Sammy. And Louise Sorrell will be back as Vivian, who I called the real Vivian on the cover. And apparently it wasn't universally well received online. I mean, no disrespect, but as much as Robin Strasser did a great job when she was there from 2018 to 19, I think Louise is the Vivian we all think of when we think of the role. Yeah, and I think, I think Robin would agree. Yeah, I think so too. We also have seen Brian DeTillo back as Lucas, and we have an interview with him in the new issue. So he tells us he never likes leaving, but always loves coming back. Uh, he's working with Ariane Zucker's Nicole, Lauren Coslow's Kate, and Ali Sweeney's Sammy, and has a new grown-up pregnant daughter in Lindsay Arnold's Allie, which has also been a fun change for him. Well, I have really missed Brian's presence on the campus, and I'm so pleased that Lucas is back in the mix. And obviously, Jay and Allie and Louise are all welcome returns as well. Uh, You know, it still feels so bizarre to only have one soap to properly preview in the magazine. But this coming week, B&B fans can look forward to a batch of vintage episodes featuring crossover appearances by Y&R characters, including uh, Gene Cooper's Catherine and Eric Braden's Victor. And Carson fans from GH are getting a treat because GH is airing five shows with key moments from Carly and Sunny's romance. I mean, I'm totally going to tune in for Sunny Carly, but let's be clear, I'd kind of be happier if it was Sunny Brenda, you know, <laughs> just saying. Um, but there's also some good news from Los Angeles. There are guidelines in place for TV and films to resume production. So hopefully that will bode well for our favorite shows. I spoke to Bold and Beautiful's executive producer, head writer Brad Bell last week about what they have planned, which will be on our next issue. So be sure to pick that up. And I've heard some shows talk about coming back after Labor Day, but now perhaps it will be sooner. Yeah, it's like the ultimate real life cliffhanger. Like when can these actors get back to work? (laughs) I mean, like literally every actor I have spoken to is on pins and needles waiting to find out and they really want to start working again. So my fingers are definitely crossed that we're nearing the end of the production shutdown. 
Oh, mine too, for sure. I mean, I do love seeing these classic episodes, but really I'm ready for the stories we've been watching all year to continue. Well, Steph, our guest today is Stephen Nichols, who on June 13th is marking the 35th anniversary of his day's debut as Stephen Earl Johnson, a.k.a. Patch. Uh, Stephen became a soap superstar in his first run on the show, which lasted from 1985 to 90, and he remains one of the most popular performers on daytime TV to this day. And with the possible exception uh, of Luke Spencer on GH, I would be hard-pressed to think of a more iconic soap anti-hero. But give me your take on why you think Steve caught fire the way that he did in the mid-80s. Well, for starters, I mean, there wasn't a character like him anywhere on the daytime landscape. He had his signature patch. He played a harmonica. I mean, he came on as what appeared to be a bad guy because his initial connection was through Victor Kyriakis. <laughs> then he moved on to procuring the pawn, a.k.a. John Black. Then he wound up being Bo's old pal from the Merchant Marines. And they ultimately built a family around him and a legacy that has now lasted for over three decades. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that when I was coming of age as a soap fan, it was Steve and Kayla that did it for me. And I remember uh, at Digest's 40th anniversary party in LA a couple of years ago, kind of cornering Steven and Mary Beth Evans, who plays Kayla, to tell them that I basically owe my career to them because it was it was 100% the Stela magic that turned me from an occasional viewer into like a diehard fan. Um, and there really was something magical with those two that, that continues to this day. And I kind of think it's remarkable given how much uh, fan resistance there is in today's climate to, uh, you know, a, a new character getting a family built around them, just how successful Days was with their build of the Johnson family. Steve, Adrian, Jack, Joe, I mean, every single one of those characters was a hit. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, today we're still looking at Adrian. Well, Adrian had been driving story um, yeah. until her untimely demise. Jack is back. I mean, this family is still like very much relevant in Salem. Absolutely. And, you know, back then it was definitely a magical time and you'd be hard pressed to find many other characters who have had the kind of success that you mentioned, you know, I mean, Stephen went on to other daytime shows and, you know, was successful there. But when he came back, for the first time in 2006, you were really reminded of how much Steve Johnson meant to the Days fans, you know, how important a cog he was in the wheel of the storytelling on the show and how much he had been missed. Definitely. And so now having him back again, you know, this is like definitely we had gotten mail when he was gone that the audience wanted him back. And it has been a really exciting return for him since he had been back. For sure. So let's catch up with him and see what he's been doing since uh, he's been in quarantine and how he feels about 35 years under his belt as Steve Johnson. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Stephanie. How you doing? I'm hanging in, baby. Just like everybody else, I guess, huh? <laughs> Very good. Well, Mara and I are so thrilled to have you on today and so happy you could join us. I'm happy to join you. Thanks. Well, first of all, tell us how you've been holding up the last few months. Uh, well, I'm getting a little tired of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I know that everybody in the world is restless and, you know, things are a mess. There's so many events in my life lately that have uh, made me grateful for my family and everyone I'm close to, and my friends and my work. I've been holding up by just keeping myself busy because I'm no good when I don't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually been painting my house uh, oh. bit by bit, window by window, door by door, wall by wall. 
all around the exterior of the house, uh, which really keeps me busy. How does it look? It's looking really good. My wife calls me the eyesore doctor. <laughs> there are things that bug us, bug me or bug her that are, you know, around the house that need to be fixed and haven't been fixed for a long time. They're called eyesores. And I, after a while, I get so tired of looking at them that I have to fix them. So that's how I get into painting the entire house. <laughs> <laughs> I start with those small things and then I paint, paint, paint. And then I'm, it's a mess. But uh, it keeps me busy. And my grandkids keep me busy. I've been FaceTiming with them and doing fun things, reading books and playing word games and over FaceTime, spending a lot of time that way with them. And they're actually coming to visit in a couple of weeks. So oh, great! really looking forward to that. I'm sure. Aside from that, you know, I, I read the news and uh, I, I try to figure out what I should be doing and how I can help and support people who are in trouble. And uh, I'm doing some of that work and keeping in touch with friends and, you know, Mary Beth and George and people like that. At least you're being productive. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important for me because I, I can get very low and in the dumps if I'm not productive and busy. Well, Stephen, it's like so remarkable that uh, June 13th marks the 35th anniversary of your first episode on Days of Our Lives. So congratulations on this milestone, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't really believe it. I, I Look, I, I have been watching some of the older episodes. I have a friend who is one of Mary Beth's and my best people and, and supporters. Her name is Tamara Pope. And uh, she has videos of every single episode from the very beginning. And she sends me these little thumb drives with all the, the episodes. And I generally don't take time to look at all that stuff. But uh, I did look at a bunch of stuff before this interview, and uh, I, I have to say I'm just, uh, I'm, first of all, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to play this character all these years, even though there have been, it has been sporadic. I, I did have a 16-year break, but the stuff in the early days, I, 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 I'm not kidding you, I've been... Very emotional since last night when I started to watch some of this. And some of it I had never seen. Some I hadn't seen in years. And it just brings back so many sweet memories of the people I worked with, the, the entire group back in the 80s. Uh, the production values were so beautifully uh, executed. And the writing was, was, was wonderful. Awesome. And all of the actors I worked with, I, I, I just I can't praise them highly enough there it was just such beautiful work from everybody especially my sweet mary beth oh for sure mm. well let's go back to your life before days of our lives so what were you doing before steve johnson came along what was i doing i was doing um a lot of theater in los angeles and um was auditioning and i had done a few guest starring roles on different shows and most of the work that i got was from some casting directors who were theater goers and who really were, were out looking for people in the theater and 
uh, Dora Saba was one of those people. And she cast me in a couple of things. And then this role came along. She just called me up. She said, just, it's a three month job. Just go. The guy's, the guy's a little crazy. He's got a patch. He's got a knife. You know, he's a bad guy. Just go do it. And she had seen me in something uh, on stage. I don't remember exactly what, but, um, that's what I was doing. I was auditioning and, you know, uh, driving limousines and, uh, working as a waiter and I'm doing all the jobs that actors typically do and just trying to, to break through. And I had a couple of kids by that time, little tiny kids. And this job came along and actually my agents advised me against taking a soap. And they, they, in fact, they fired me for doing, for taking it. And I said to them, did they get the money? No, hell no. (laughs) Hell no. I said, look, what, what, I have two little kids. I want to give them a nice life. This is a job. It could lead to something better. I'm going to take the job. And, uh, I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're glad you did. Yeah. Um, had you auditioned for any other soaps before days in that period of your career? No, I had a couple of opportunities to audition, but the jobs were New York soaps, and I did not want to leave town mm-hmm. uh, because my, uh, you know, I was divorced, and I did not want to be out of town and not able to see my children every week. So I just I turned down those auditions. So Days was really the first one. That was in town. Now, you mentioned, of course, from the get-go, Stephen had a patch. What do you remember about having the patch in the beginning? Was it a love-hate relationship at all? Or were you like, oh, it's only three months. Great. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was it was so disorienting to have to wear that thing and walk around and not trip over things. And always joke that I, I could never walk up and down steps properly for the first couple of weeks. I had to go very slowly. But, you know, after after a while, I got used to it. And I always said, you know, that it's a unique situation because so many people avoid doing soaps because they don't want to just be another one of those guys on a soap. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity because I'm a guy with a patch. You don't see anybody on soaps. You don't see this type of character on soaps generally. So I was I was grateful to have the patch and to have so many um, elements to try to play with and work with to build the character. And I actually brought my own past into it, uh, my childhood. And, you know, I talked to the writers because this, this thing wasn't written as it wasn't, there was no Bible, there was no projected story for the character. So it was a unique situation where we collaborated and, and uh, then the writers really just took the ball and ran with it and did a, an amazing job of the, developing the character and um, the relationship, all the relationships, Patch and Kayla and Steve and Bo and the entire families. Yeah, it was a beautiful situation back in those days. It was, it was really something. I'm, I'm kind of emotional now because I've been watching all this stuff and I, I, it's very hard for me to even talk about it. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it was such a, a wonderful time in the 80s uh, when we we started this whole journey. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, Stephen, when the three months came and went and it became clear that everyone was on to something and that Steve was not going to uh, make a swift exit? Yeah, I, I have a few memories from that time. 
when the three months was up, I think there was a, yeah, there were some scenes uh, where I was supposed to be shot and killed. And on that day, Shelley Curtis came out on the set and she said, by the way, you're not dying. <laughs> so, and, and that was the first I had heard that they were interested in, you know, keeping the character around. And then <clears throat> I auditioned for a movie and uh, I got the job as a horror film, Witchboard. And it was a lead in this movie. And I, you know, Al Rabin had come to me and he said, you know, we want to give you a permanent contract here. We, it's a permanent situation. Uh, you, you can't go <laughs> and do this thing. And I said, well, no, I have to go do the movie. And then we'll see after that. And um, which is what I did. And they came back to me and we, we made, a, made a deal. And that was it. <laughs> I was on, <laughs> on the way. Hooray. Now, it's fair to say that Steve's trajectory changed in 1986 when Mary Beth Evans joined the show as Kayla. And oh, yeah. that pairing took off so astronomically well. What is your take on the success of the romance between these characters? I have to say, um, it's all about Mary Beth and, and who she is and who she, who she was as a person and is, obviously, uh, and, and as an actress. She... I don't know if it, it would have been the same with anyone else. I, I just, it was, it was just magical to be able to work with someone like that, who was just so guileless and so in the moment and so available and giving and loving and, and just funny. I mean, she kept everything light all the time, but, but, you know, the minute those cameras rolled, she was there. She was just there in the moment. And, and that's never changed. I'm just so grateful that I had her. She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, the first fan event that we went to and, and the reaction when we walked in, I knew, then I knew. I did. I really had no idea. And I think it was uh, Tom Racina, who was one of the creators of this character. Well, I, I looked over at him and he, he made a gesture and he, he said, we're going to take the patch off. He, pulled, he put his hand over his eye <laughs> and pulled, pulled down, downward. And I looked at him and I shook my head. I said, no. <laughs> don't do that so you know they wanted to turn me into another you know sort of soap leading man and and in their eyes that was that meant taking the patch off and i've always resisted that from the very beginning because it's just so so much part of the character and you know the patch has come off a couple of times and uh didn't work you keep having to come up with new and unusual ways to get the patch back Exactly. It's recently a stiletto. Yes, yes, a stiletto. Oh, my God, when I read that, I just died laughing. I, just, I, I could just picture Leanne with that shoe. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so good. Um, so when, when, like, Steve and Kayla were in this initial ascent to super coupledom, if you will. Yeah. And your your own popularity was skyrocketing. You know, did did your life change when, you know, you were in the throes of that Steve and Kayla fervor? Or was it just sort of like business as usual for you? Maybe just with more fan mail. Did my life change? Well, I had more money. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm very grateful that I was able to give my children and my wife a uh, a nice life. And I, and I'm still to this day, every, every moment grateful for that. So, and then, you know, there were, 
you know, when you live in Los Angeles, people are used to seeing movie stars. They don't care about you know daytime actors, <laughs> you know, except the hardcore fans you might meet every now and then. But if I ever went to an amusement park with my family, it was just hell. I mean, we we I had to go in disguise practically, or anywhere out of town. It, it was yeah, it was pretty heavy. It was kind of hard, especially when, when I was alone, I was fine with it. But when I was with my family, it was tough because I just wanted to be a regular person doing this thing with my family. And I mean, I, I was never rude to anyone, but I, but it was hard. It was hard on them. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, yeah, life changed uh, for the better in, in many ways. Well, on screen in 1987, there was another change. Like the show really invested in Steve in a new way, building out the Johnson family. And Mara and I were just saying like, you know, mm. you don't really see that kind of success. Like every character who came in oh. connected to Steve was so, you know, was still part of the canvas with the exception yeah. of Joe. So let's first mm -hmm. talk about Joy Garrett, who played Joe. Can you share a memory of working with her? Uh, sadly, oh. we know she passed away in 93. Well, what I remember about Joy is that she came to the set every day. I never saw a script in her hand, ever. And there are a few actors that I can say that about, and very few. But she just was there, and she was prepared and ready to go, and always, always there in the moment and available. And uh, I, I don't even think I ever saw her go up once. Wow. And she was just so available. I mean, the moment, you know, every emotion was there. And that's another thing. I mean, all of those people, Joy and Matt and Peter and Christian and, and my, my dear, sweet uh, Richard Biggs. Mm -hmm. I mean, every single person was just amazing. It was such a group. It was such, such a beautiful company. And yes, most of those people, if they're still here with us, are still successful, still doing wonderful work. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing that uh, that group of actors has survived all this time and, and stayed in the hearts uh, of the audience uh, for so many years. Well, it was such a magical time yeah. for the show, mm -hmm. that period of time. And yeah. I think you'd really be also hard pressed to find another show that had such a golden era that long. Yeah, yeah, that lasted. I, I agree. Long, you know, absolutely. It was just beautiful, beautiful work back then. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm not just talking about the acting. I'm talking about the way they developed these stories and characters, and how they interwove them with each each other and and the families. They they really built these stories beat by beat, and had this these the Bible projected maybe out into six months, maybe even a year sometimes. And they were just meticulous in the way they uh, arranged the stories and the beats. It was, it was just beautiful work. And the producing, my God, these Shelley and Al Rabin, Shelley Curtis, Al Rabin, Becky Greenlaw, Beth Milstein, all these people who just worked so hard to make, make it the best show they could. And and when you look at these episodes from the eighties, it's so I I long for that time. Yeah, I, I think there's a lack of faith in the attention span of the audience that yeah, is that is a yeah, shame, you know. There is, there is. Well yeah. maybe it's true. Maybe that's just the way the world is now. And right. you know, people don't have the patience to really sit and and get to know characters and get to know a story and follow and 
it's like reading a good book. You know, you mm-hmm. you just you, you're so involved and engaged. And when I, when I watch it, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about everybody else. It's just such beautiful work. Well, I want to hear about playing siblings with Judy Evans and Matthew Ashford, your longtime co-stars who play Adrian and Jack. There's another two. I just spoke to Judy yesterday. Uh, I saw she got out of the hospital. That's so great. She had just gotten home when I called her because I hadn't really been on social media much and I I hadn't heard about her her latest misfortune. And um, I saw a picture on Instagram with her with a cannula in her nose and in the hospital holding up a sign. And I thought, my God, what? I mean, what more could happen to this poor woman? So I... I called her immediately and we talked and she told me the entire story, the saga of her going into the hospital because of her horseback riding accident and uh, contracting COVID uh, because they don't put masks on people. They just sit you in the emergency room with a bunch of COVID patients and (laughs) she demanded to have a test and um, found that she, yes, she was positive, but so she didn't have a severe case, they were able to control it and not intubate her and put her on a ventilator, which is killing a lot of people who don't need to be intubated. So uh, anyway, sweet, sweet Judy, you know, working with her has always been a joy. She always, <clears throat> you work with certain people, they bring you up, they, they lift you up. And she's one of those people. You know, I'm in a scene with her and man, the scene is better because it's her. It's always better because of her. I, I love her so much. And she is like a real sister to me. And Matt, again, he, he's another one. Sweetheart, a little wacky, you know. It, it, you get into a conversation with Matt, it's hard to get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I, I love the guy dearly. And 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 he throws me so many curveballs when we're in a scene together. I'm just I'm always on my I have, I have to be on my toes. I mean, the guy is, you know, he's amazing. We, I, I haven't seen this stuff. Some people were telling me about the, the, the scenes uh, where I was drunk in the bar and he came in and talked to me mm-hmm. about Kayla. And Kayla shows up at the end. I haven't seen it yet, but I remember being in those scenes with him and the scenes in the hospital when he, uh, I guess I found out that uh, Adrian had died. Uh, that stuff I did see. And, you know, he's, he's just always so good and so unpredictable. It's what I love about him. He just, uh, he brings so much life to the work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when anyone talks about iconic weddings in daytime history, Steve and Kayla's 1988 wedding on the yacht definitely makes the list. So what are your memories of the day and of filming that and just the wedding in general? Uh, let's see. That entire day, I think it was one day. I think we did that entire show in one day on that yacht. Incredible. It was like a dream. I, I I don't have any specific memories except how beautiful everything was. The set, the flowers, the the costumes, the everybody looked so, so beautiful. And I wish that I'd gotten a haircut because I think my hair was longer than my bride's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I look back at this stuff in the 80s, I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Flock of seagulls. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the back of my head was like a giant, you know, uh, drape 
from the Renaissance period or something. Just like, what, what is that thing, that big wave behind your head? And then on the top with the, the body wave and everything to keep the hair up. And Oh, my God. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you weren't alone. It was a collective follicle sickness yeah, in that era. It, it was it the sure was. It sure was. I mean, I look at, I look at Wally back then in some of these old videos, and he had the same damn mullet going. Yep. It wasn't yep. as big as mine, but it was, it was uh, pretty close. It was proud in its own way. Yeah. For yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, all, the, all the people there, and, you know, it was all about uh, our beautiful wedding and they were all there to support us and you know from the from the smallest character to the to the to the biggest it was they were everybody was there in support of this this beautiful event and then to have Kayla speak and and uh, at the end of the ceremony it was just it was beautiful again it's the writing these people they they really really invested so much in telling telling our story it was i'm i'm amazed by it when i go back and look i i i guess i didn't i don't know if i appreciated it as much then i i guess it was what it was i was doing my work and that was it but then when i look back i realize how much went into creating these episodes and the and this show it's so much so much work and beautiful work so many talented people well much to the dismay and heartache of legions of viewers, myself included, you decided to leave in 1990. Uh, do you remember what prompted your decision to exit at that time? I, I remember very clearly. You know, back then, I don't know if it's indicative of every soap opera, but when you become super popular on a soap opera, back then, they realize that no matter what you do, no matter what the story is, no matter what you say, you could come in and trip over yourself, people will still watch you. They'll still love you. So they I think that they kind of they kind of got I I hate to say it, but it seemed like they were getting really lazy with the stories for Patch and Kayla. And um I was feeling really burnt out. I just felt like it, it wasn't the same. Things had changed. They weren't writing the same I, maybe they're just they were just out of ideas for us or something but i just, it just felt like we were coming in and you know i i was like digging a ditch every day there was just nothing very exciting about it and i i turned to my wife one day and i said to her i feel like i'm breaking up inside i just felt like the magic had gone away it just wasn't working anymore and and i wanted to do some good work i i didn't want to keep doing this job um <clears throat> I really, I was getting really depressed and unhappy. And I just said, I have to do it. I have to leave. I'll have to see what else is out there. So yeah, that was, uh, I remember very vividly what, uh, what was going on. I just could not do it anymore. I, it was five years of almost every day. Uh, and then it just started to get thinner and thinner and thinner and the stories weren't there. And, but I have to say, they pulled it out again when that, that whole, uh, all, everything around Steve's death. Mm -hmm. I actually just watched the, the episode that I had never seen of when wow. I actually died, when the character died and everyone and, and everybody coming in 
to see me and talk to me and trying to get me to come back to life and all of that. And Jack and, um, and my sister and Joy and everyone. God, it was just, they, they, everyone was so beautiful and it was beautifully written. And then at the end, Kayla coming in to say her final goodbye. I, I just, there, there is no acting that even comes close in my world, in my eyes, that Mary Beth Evans. So much beauty, so many sweet, quiet moments. And she has that little locket at the end. And she leaves, and Marcus comes in. Bo says, you want me to go with you? Mark says, no, I, I have an idea where he is. And there she is on the rooftop where we first made love, uh, our apartment there, looking at the locket. And uh, I guess there's a big montage of all of our moments together. I, it, it, it was just the perfect ending to that story. Yeah, it really was. And then the coffin switch, of course. I was just about oh, to say, oh, thank God yeah. for the coffin switch. Lawrence Alamein and you know, his dastardly deeds and Bo saying, yeah, there's too many accidents around here for my blood. You know, <laughs> so he, he's he's on to it. You know, he's he's going to figure it out. And then after that, poor Mary Beth. I mean, they just kind of bounced her around between a couple of different guys. I mean, Charlie, who's who we love, and and then and I think even James Reynolds for a little bit. And they just uh, they just kind of wasted her. They just let her go. I, I guess there was no. Kayla without patch, but I, I I don't believe that. I guess that's what they thought. But they, you know, after a couple of years, they just said, eh, see you later. Yeah. And putting, putting Kayla and Shane together was yeah. like a knife through the heart of, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, so totally. many fans. It was yeah. just like, it was that, it, it was just crazy. It was, it was not the move, but not, you know, move. you're a tough act to follow, Stephen Nichols. Yes. Well, yes. you know, I, I have to, it's not me. It's, it's Stephen Kayla, you know, it's never just me. I swear to God, I, I'm telling you. Without her, I would have would not have been the same person or character or actor on that show without Mary Beth. There's just no question about it. And I include everyone else, too, all, all of the other actors in my sphere at that time. It was mm -hmm. it was a I, I don't know what they were doing on other shows, because I, the truth is we don't watch each other's work. You know, we, soap actors generally do not watch each other's work. We don't know what's going on. We just kind of know each other from events and stuff. But, um, but I'm telling you that Days of Our Lives in the 80s was a magical, magical time. And I mm -hmm. wish they were able to keep the audience and the production values and uh, the, the tone of the show. Uh, I, I wish they could have kept that consistent. But uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some getting back to that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can do that at some point. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens after all of this. Great. Oh, um, Lord, yeah. Now, in 1992, you popped up on Santa Barbara as Skylar Gates. And then in 96, you had another very successful daytime run when you joined General Hospital as Stefan Cassadine, a total departure from Steve. Um, oh, yeah. But you did reteam with Mary Beth, who then played Catherine, and you worked with daytime legends Jeannie Francis, Tony Geary, Nancy mm -hmm. Gron. You were a mentor to Tyler Christopher, who played Nicholas. So mm. how would you describe your GH experience? Well, it was uh, like the first, was it maybe three years? Two and a half to th first two and a half to three years were just wonderful. 
And again, uh, beautiful writing. Patrick Mulcahy was in charge of the Cassidines. And this guy, uh, I, I'm sure you're aware of who he is. Uh, I, don't, I think he's probably retired, and I don't, I don't see his name anymore. But he is one of the best, if not the best, soap opera writer ever in the history of soaps. This, this man, he, he really understood the uh, upper crust. I mean, that was his forte. He, so he really knew how to write uh, people like the Cassidines. So the writing was so good. Um, I, I had so many long poetic speeches. Uh, it was very, very difficult to learn, number one. I appreciated the, the music of, of his writing. It was, it was really beautiful. And He actually again, just retired recently. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. What was he doing? Was he doing Bold he and Beautiful? He was on Bold and Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because he always told me when I spoke to him, he, he wanted to get out of it. He wanted to retire and stop doing it. I guess he they finally kept pulling did. him back in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they kept pulling him back in. But um, and then again at, at GH, I so much appreciated the good acting, the great actors on that show, Tony and Jeannie, and and then little Tyler coming along. I remember the day he auditioned, and they had all these kids come into my dressing room one after the other and read the scenes with me and. And I advocated for him. I fought for him because I knew he was the one. I just knew it. I mean, it was his first job. And, but he had, he had the instincts of a, a great actor right from the beginning. And even though he had no experience, he was the guy. And Tony, I mean, you know, is another guy just like, so, such a good actor, so smart and always on his game and, and, and unpredictable. Um, which is always fun. And, uh, and Jeannie, who's, who's just, you know, she's an amazing actress. She always delivers. So yeah, that was a, that was a really sweet experience for a while there. And then again, it started happening again. It was like some, something changed, something shifted. And it's always, you never have to, you, you can't really ever take it personally, but when they change regimes, when the new producer comes in and a couple new writers, you know, Bob Guza started to kind of fiddle with things. And uh, then he stopped writing for me and things got a little, you know, a little boring. I just didn't really want to be there anymore. And uh, it just kind of fell apart. I, I don't know what to say. It, it was it was a really sweet ride for a while. And then then it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they brought me back. Uh, they brought me back after that first time that I left there, and, and they tried to put a half, a, like a Phantom of the Opera mask on my burned-up face. And I mean, it was it was uh, it was heartbreaking because they were they were kind of making fun of the character at that point. So they did everything they could to make that character look bad, and it was just it was awful. I, I wish that I hadn't said yes to that end of the character. Yeah, it, it was, it was a, it did not live up to the potential of the early years. I certainly agree. No, no. But you know, these, these things happen. Look, yeah. it's, it's gotta be tough to keep story going for, you know, five days a week, 52 weeks a year. It's got, it's a tough job. Well, happily for Salem watchers, you returned to days in 2006 and the Steve and Kayla love story resumed. What was it like for you coming back to the show, to the role, to the studio after a 16-year gap? Well, let's see. I remember that that first day back 
I, it felt like I'd just come home. You know, I'd been gone for, it didn't seem like 16 years at all. I just felt like I'd gone off, taken a little trip and come home. And uh, they were so welcoming. And, you know, the studio was the same, filthy place. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and some of the same people were there, a lot of the same camera guys and boom guys. And uh, there was, a, I guess, a new prop person. And, um, there were, you know, a lot of the same people were there and and same directors. And so we, you know, we hit the ground running and, and, it, and it, the story was good, that, that first return. It was really good. And Mary Beth and I just jumped back on our bicycles and kept riding. Well, what did it mean to you that 16 years later, your return, you know, was such a huge deal and the audience's affection for Steve and your performances just remained so strong? Uh, it means the world to me. The fans are everything. In daytime television, without the fans, we're, we are nothing. You know, their encouragement, their engagement with the stories and with the characters, and their, now with social media, their feedback that we get constantly, it means so much. It is our support system. That's where we get, that's where we get the life's blood that we need to keep doing this work. You know, it, it, otherwise, I mean, without that, what are we doing? I mean, you feel like half the time you feel like you're in a vacuum. Without them, without, without that feedback and that love, uh, it would be a very hard job to do. Yeah. So you remained at Days until 2009, and then later that year you moved on to YNR as Tucker McCall, who, another big story, was revealed to be the son of Catherine Chancellor, played by the late legendary Gene Cooper. So what were your early days in Genoa City like, and what was it like to work with Gene? Oh, my goodness. Another lucky break for me, let me tell you. First of all, um, noticing how good the writing was on that show and how more reality-based it was than some other, uh, some other stories that I've been involved in mm-hmm. uh, on other shows. It was it was very refreshing, and the actors were so good. Every single person was so so good. And again, when you're opposite someone who is that good, it lifts you up. And I always felt like I was my game was heightened because of the people I was working with, and in particular, Jean Cooper. She was the sweetest, funniest, most talented lady. Always prepared. I mean, I think that in the last few years of her run there before she passed, she was she was having some health issues and she did not tell any of us. None of us knew. We didn't know. She had this little, you know, inhaler that she was using, but she would sort of do it very discreetly so people didn't see. And she never complained. She always knew her lines. And she was a joy to work with. I would go to her dressing room, I'd knock on the door and say, Mama. Uh-huh. It's me. She said, "Come in, son. Come in." We'd sit down in her little dressing room, and she'd tell me stories, old Hollywood stories, and we'd run our lines and get it together. She was the sweetest. Mm-hmm. I felt, I really felt like I was her son. She was my mom. That's so she, sweet. She was so talented too. Well, you also had some heavy hitting uh, romantic leading ladies on YNR: oh. uh, Eileen Davidson, Sharon Case. Yeah. Yeah, what what was working with Eileen like? I was so lucky. Eileen, there's another actress. It's just, it almost seems effortless for her. She's, 
you know, again, I felt uh, very fortunate uh, to work with someone like her. She was, she just lifted me up, man. I mean, you know, she was so, so good. And I, I remember the one time we had these scenes and I turned to her afterwards and I said, man, you just, you, you surprise me every minute. You, you just throw me these curveballs, and I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what to do, but I, you, I'm off balance, which is good. You know, mm-hmm. it's much better not to be in control. So controlled. It's much better to be a little off balance because then there's more spontaneity and you have these sort of fresh moments. And she, she always gave me that. And she's a lovely person. Uh, what about Sharon? Sharon is another one, you know, just so, you it, know, you know, some of these, I work my ass off and, and it's not easy. I, I, I've never said that this job is easy, but I see some of these people and just looks, it looks so damn easy. How do you do that? How do you make it? Why is it so easy for you? <laughs> <laughs> it almost pisses me off. <laughs> but Sharon, Sharon is that kind of person too. She she was just so. Uh, it was just second nature acting. It was just she'd walk in and bang, she'd do it. She was it was a lot of fun. She was great, very sexy, you know, and uh, and and available and in the moment. So many good actors on that show. Mm-hmm. So uh, you again returned to Days in 2015, and then you most recently returned to the airwaves earlier this year. But as Days fans know, you didn't return as the Steve viewers know and love, but rather a Steve who had been transformed into Stefano via a brain chip. <laughs> what was your reaction to this outlandish twist, Stephen? <laughs> well, you're hearing it right now because... <laughs> My God, when they told me, I just said, what the, you know, what the, are you kidding me? So look, they called me up and I said, so what's the story? Oh, oh, um, well, they're still working that out. Okay. And then I realized after I signed why they didn't want to tell me. (laughs) Because they knew (laughs) They knew what I would have said, which is no fucking way. <laughs> oh my god! But you know what? I you know, after I got over the shock of hearing that, and and I started to actually work on it and talk to people, and I mean, it's crazy. They just they expect me just to walk in there and be Stefano. Come on, what right. hey, we got to get some. You got to do some work here. What? You send me some outlines. Send me some tape of Joe back in the day. And boy, they, you know. So I just had to start digging on my own and getting all these old episodes of Joe. And then I had a conversation with Ryan and said, Ryan, just give me some stuff. The, you know, the the greatest hits of uh, Stefano and and how it relates, how I relate to these other characters like Lauren Coslow uh, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, my daughter Kristen, and how do I relate to these people? What what what's the history? So he gave me a couple of outlines and things, but I got the most out of watching just watching videos of Joe and um, <clears throat> just sort of trying to absorb his essence. Just what what was he about? How how did he move? How did he you know all that stuff? I just I, I could not imitate him. I did not want to do an imitation. I just wanted to get. <laughs> which is what they put in the script, his essence. 
<laughs> you know, but I was adamant about the fact that there was no Steve left in there at all. If if this ship was in Steve's brain, it had take, overtaken him. It was, there was no Steve. There was only Stefano. And because they tried to sort of mix the two up, and, and I and I said, look, if there are ever any moments of Steve, it's only when he's with Kayla, and when she touches something deep, deep down, and you see a little glimmer, just a flicker of recognition of that, and that's what I want to play. Just those little, just you know, almost imperceptible moments mm -hmm. like that. The rest of the time, I'm the dude. I'm the phoenix, and that's the way it's going to be. So they went with it. They, they, they went along with that, and that's how we did it. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, it was tough. It was really, really hard work. I, I had a lot of anxiety behind it, but um, eventually I, you know, went through the process, and I kind of got there and had some fun with a lot of people. A lot of actors I'd never worked with, and we had good times. Toward the end, were you itching to get back to playing Steve? Or at any point, were you itching to get back to playing Steve? I was. When things started getting kind of ridiculous, I, I yeah, I, I, think, I think that it was really well done. The story was well written, and uh, there were a couple of moments that are a little hokey, but for the most part, it was really well done. And um, mm -hmm. I appreciated the relationships uh, I got to play with um, Lauren Coslow and and uh, my daughter Kristen and and then getting all the Demeras together with Billy and Teo and that was all fun and, that was and great. the moments yeah. when I when I was trying to pretend to be Steve and the the anger of Stefano was boiling underneath that was all fun and you had never worked with Deidre that way before no no never no so we had yeah we had. We had our little romance. Uh -huh. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was fun. It was, some, it was good. It was kind of a relief to get rid of that patch for a little while. Not as Steve, but as somebody else. You know, it was, uh, it was kind of a hassle sometimes. And, you know, obviously when Steve did return, what a payoff moment. And you did such awesome work in those scenes. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, they, that was well written too. That was, uh, I really appreciated all of that. And and then having Adrian's death in the mix of all of that too, finding out that she had died was. Yeah, those were great, great scenes. Yeah, and then and then the stuff with you know, look, who 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 would have ever imagined that while Steve was on this earth, that Kayla would hook up with another man? Not right. Wally. Okay. Wally would never have guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> Wally, he's too much, man. You know, the two of them. He said, you know, because I know Mary Beth tells the story all the time. And Wally said, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> he, he says to her, but I'm telling you, with the three of us, the dynamic between the three of us, I also appreciated so much. Wally was so good. And he and, and Mary Beth were so good together. They, you know, it just it just worked. When you have good actors who are willing to commit to whatever the hell it is they're given, then it's going to work. You know, right. so you know it's just you know, just got to do the work. And uh, and Wally is is so great and so and gracious too. He's always very supportive of everybody else around him. And I'm so happy that he got a nomination this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so great. Well, what does it mean to you 
to have created a character that has endured for 35 years and is like so iconic really to the medium of television that we're discussing here? Uh, I've been a very, very lucky man. And um, like I said, you know, back in the 80s, it was, there, was, there was something going on. Uh, the combination of all the people involved in, that, in the, those moments in the 80s uh, and those stories and, and the production of Days of Our Lives at that time, there was just something about it. It was uh, kismet, you know. It, uh, everyone involved was supposed to be there, and we were there supporting one another and uh, and doing the best work we could do. It was. It, it felt like a magical time. I mean, when I was in it, it 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 seemed magical, and when I look back on it, it seems even more magical because I now I can compare it to what the thing has turned into not not that i'm saying it's terrible now but it's just not that same magical time and 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 there are many reasons for that which i won't go into but i so appreciate that i got the job and and was able to collaborate with so many great people and um, make the thing happen well steven this was so much fun we thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on 35 years and just the success of the recent storyline as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And let's keep on keeping on. Let's indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Stephen Nichols for being our guest. If you like this podcast, we're on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. Please pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.